thank you for being a part of our church service today. It is our desire at Riverstone Church that God's Word will work in you to produce an abundant field life. To know more about the ministry or to support, visit riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you today as you listen to this message. I'm continually amazed at the sovereign grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and how He uh, how he works through things that we cannot orchestrate or control ourselves, that we cannot do on our own. God uh, does things by his own uh, faithfulness, by his own grace in, uh, in our midst. And we're just able to stand back and kind of be amazed. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit as, as part of the message. But as Sister Dolores was praying this morning at the beginning of service and praying, God, you know, I want, I want to be in your presence and uh, I want to walk away changed. I want to sense your spirit here and to know that uh, essentially that I've been in, in the house of the Lord and I was hearing her pray and my mind was being caught uh, up to the Lord and, 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 it, and, it, and it fits, that prayer fits so uh, completely with where we'll walk through in the scriptures today. And she and I, we did not talk, we did not have a conversation beforehand about what she was going to pray or what the message was on, but it's God's sovereign grace that works through people to lead us uh, corporately together towards the plan that God has. And I think we're going to uh, we'll see that in the message, but I also hope that as we work through the message this morning that you'll see that in the things that God is calling us to do as a body collectively and corporately, that you'll see your role, your place, my role, my place, our role together uh, as a church uh, fulfilling what the Lord would have us to do as part of his kingdom. Uh, so often, you know, we we, we work ourselves down to what is God doing in me, and we don't quite think about, well, what is God doing in the fellowship that I'm a part of, the, the, the fellowship that he's placed me in? And then when we're uh, in, in the church and we think about what God's doing in the church, we fail to think, well, what's God doing in the kingdom? So there's a, there's a greater goal that's going on. What God is doing in you and what God is doing in his church is for God's movement in the kingdom overall. God has a plan for the kingdom, and he's orchestrating all of these things uh, for his glory. Uh, I, uh, I was uh, blessed by my dad uh, a few weeks ago, uh, a month or so ago, uh, my uh, lawnmower for my yard uh, broke down and it had uh, reached the point of no return. And so I didn't have anything to mow with. My dad had two mowers and he said, you can have one of these. I won't be using it. And so I was blessed uh, by that. And I was uh, using the mower and some debris from uh, mowing a few weeks ago had kind of got on the back where the motor uh, was on the mower, and I was mowing, and I looked down at my foot, and I saw a spark kind of fall down by my feet on the mowing deck, and I thought, oh, what's happening? And I get off, and back by the engine, it's on fire. <laughs> Never had that before, and I just filled it up with gas. <laughs> I was like, whoa, what's going on? And so I'm all the way down at the end of my drive, and I run up uh, to uh, the, uh, the house, and I'm just kind of frantically, I don't even know what I'm saying, getting a bucket of water to try to get down and get this out. And uh, all my kids, they don't realize what's going on, but they see me getting buckets and water, they get buckets of water. And they're running down the lane after me <laughs> with, uh, with buckets of water, and <laughs> who knows what the neighbors are thinking, and uh, uh, to, to try to get this out. And after that, 
uh, it was just it was the debris that caught fire. The engine had not actually uh, caught fire, but the engine didn't kind of run properly uh, after that it ran. But it wasn't running uh, running properly. And I don't have enough wisdom. I tried my own wisdom to accomplish the task of getting the engine to run properly, but it didn't work. And so I called a, a gentleman who actually teaches it. He's a teacher on small engine repair. And uh, I asked him to come out to my house yesterday. He came out to my house, and he was able to poke through and figure out exactly what's going on, what was needed in order to fix it, to get it running uh, smoothly again. And you and I, in, in our life, sometimes we get out of whack. Sometimes things get out of order, and we have to come back to the master teacher in our life for him to tweak and tune things so that we can be operating according to his kingdom plan. And so... I'm sharing that to say uh, there's a lot for us to digest this morning in Acts chapter 11. We're going to work through verses 1 through 18 here in just a few moments. Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11, besides the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, are some of the most important verses in terms of uh, the church and who we are as the church, are some of the most important verses to us when we look back throughout uh, church history. And so we're going to spend some time in Acts chapter uh, 11, verses 1 through 8. And it's going to relate to uh, what uh, we talked about a few weeks ago, how that things that happen in our life, if you're a believer in Jesus and God is orchestrating things in your life, the things that are happening in your life, the natural things that are occurring, all of that is part of God's plan in the spiritual realm as well. So God is able to orchestrate, when we look at the life of Peter in Acts chapter 10, God is able to orchestrate where he is in a particular location, uh, Simon the Tanner's house. He was at uh, a house that dealt with animals. Uh, he was hungry, wanting something to eat. He was praying, engaging in a religious exercise, and God visited him by the power of his spirit. So you have the physical hunger, the natural things that are taking place, the religious effort of praying. All of that is happening as this vision comes along, a supernatural event Happen. So all of this works together. And what I hope we see again today is how God is able to take all those things both in our lives, also in the life of the church and in the life of the kingdom and orchestrate those. So we have to be aware of what is going on around us. God calls us to be aware, to look at our natural circumstances, to look at our spiritual walk before him, to look at what God is doing in the supernatural and begin to discern what God is doing so that we can participate in that. If you and I were to say, let's head on down to Lynchburg today, and I would say, I'm, I'm glad for us to drive. I'll, I'll take my uh, vehicle because it's more than one of us, and I'm the only one, maybe one of two in this sanctuary who has a 12-passenger van. And we're going to jump in the van, and we're going to go down to Lynchburg, and we get in the van to head to uh, Lynchburg, and we just sit in the vehicle. We just simply sit there. We said, we're going to go to Lynchburg, but we're just kind of sitting there uh, talking, kind of talking about what went on in service, talking about what uh, has happened in our life throughout the week, and 10 minutes goes by, and 20 minutes goes by, and 30 minutes goes by, and in your mind, you're thinking, I thought we were heading down to Lynchburg. But we don't start the vehicle. We don't start moving in the vehicle. We don't start heading anywhere. You begin to think something's wrong. 
there's something wrong here because we're saying we're going somewhere and yet we're not moving anywhere. But often that's what happens when we come to church. We sort of get inside and we sit. We talk about going somewhere. We talk about what it's going to be like going somewhere, but we don't actually want to embrace the change that it takes to get us there. Because if you're going to get in a vehicle, you've got to change from a vehicle that's not started to a vehicle that is started. You've got to change from a vehicle that's not in gear to a vehicle that is in gear. You've got to change from the place where you started, the actual location, and move the vehicle as it's in gear to the place where you want to go. Change consistently over and over and over again to get you to the place of destiny. Well, the same thing is true in the Christian walk. You and I must be willing and open to embrace the change that God is calling us to. And so I'd like you uh, to stand with me just in honoring of the reading of the word of the Lord. Uh, We're going to look at Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. And we want to uh, hear and see what happens when Peter uh, goes from Caesarea, where he met Cornelius, and where these events that we read about over the last uh, few weeks and talked about over the last few weeks have happened. And in Acts chapter 11, uh, he's retelling that story to those who are in Jerusalem, beginning at uh, Acts 11 and verse 1. It says, Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. So again, essentially what's happening here is Peter had gone to Cornelius, who was a Roman, who was uncircumcised. He stayed at his house, had a meal with him, had fellowship with him. The Jews in Jerusalem heard about it, and now they're taking issue with Peter uh, about what happened when he was in Caesarea. Verse 4, but Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in orderly sequence, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, in a vision, an object coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky. And it came right down to me, and when I had fixed my gaze on it and was observing it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beasts and the crawling creatures and the birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice from heaven answered a second time, what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. This happened three times, and everything was drawn back up into the sky. And behold, at the moment three men appeared at the house in which we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. The Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. These six brethren also went with me, and we entered the man's house, and he reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here. And he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? 
And when they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the time that we have together, Lord, to uh, hear from you. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to hear and understand what the Spirit would say. Lord, I pray uh, that even as you use me as a mouthpiece, Lord Jesus, that I would do or say nothing that would take away from your word. Lord, I earnestly pray that. Father, that you would be exalted and glorified, and that what you would have said would be said, uh, Lord, this morning, and that you would help us, Lord, to perceive as we discern what is going on in ourselves, what is going on in the world around us, what you are speaking to us, what is happening in the natural realm, what is happening in the supernatural realm. Help us to discern, Lord Jesus, where you are having us to go for your glory. And we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. When we read this story, and particularly the first few verses of Acts chapter 11, what we see is that when uh, we encounter the gospel, the gospel by its necessity brings movement. The gospel brings movement. It is not for us to simply be stationary in one place at one time, uh, just kind of doing the same things over and over again. That's why I was so, uh, I was so blessed by what Sister Dolores uh, prayed this morning, that uh, we don't simply uh, want to just kind of rev our engines, sit in one place, talk about going somewhere. We actually want to be in the vehicle moving in a direction, moving and heading toward what the Lord is calling us to do as part of his kingdom purpose, because the gospel brings movement. Jesus has a mission for his church, and that mission requires you and I to be willing and ready to move. In Acts chapter 10, a few weeks ago, as we were reading and sharing together, we noticed that both Cornelius and Peter were moved to action after their encounter with the Lord. Cornelius had to dispatch men to go and to retrieve Peter. Peter was told to kind of rise up and see the vision. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. There was an encounter that required movement. When God encountered these men, he required them to act, to do something, to move. God doesn't bless you or speak to you or give you a word for you to just simply sit in the car. Our interaction with the Lord is for the purpose that we would be focused on the gospel and move according to the plan of God. It was the spirit that compelled Peter to move out of Jerusalem and then to head to Caesarea. We think about that as it relates to us. I believe it was God's spirit that moved on people to call them to pray about the formation of this very church. Prayer always gives way to movement, and movement brings change. This is why we've been focused on prayer, prayer first, why we gather together and pray, why we encourage you to pray uh, in your homes. We encourage you to pray here at church. We take time during worship to pray because we believe that prayer moves us to change. We see this in the history of great revivals. People get tired of the way things are. People get tired of things always being the way they always have been. And so people begin to pray. They begin to seek God. They begin to earnestly cry out to him. And as they are earnestly crying out to him, things begin to change and movement begins to happen. But I would tell you that 
as we're praying together, as we're encouraging one another to pray, as we're asking everyone to join in together and pray, what we must realize is we're doing a pretty dangerous thing. When we get praying together and we seek God together, it can be a, a dangerous thing, a beautiful thing, because it, it touches our heart and it encourages us, but prayer ultimately leads to change. You know, it's kind of nice to be here together, isn't it? Kind of nice to look around and be with people who are familiar faces and kind of know a little bit about uh, one another and engage with one another, to become friends with one another. But the gospel brings movement. And one of the things that we sense God moving us to do is to think about, hey, we want to plant churches, see other people come into fellowship with God, see uh, people who are broken, be mended by the gospel. And when you want to plant other churches, some, even here, We'll have to move out and be part of those new churches because God's going to call some of you to change. He's going to call some of you to step up and be maybe a pastor or an evangelist or church leader or worship leader, something along those lines. It's going to bring change in your life, and you're going to wrestle with the Lord. And maybe as you even wrestle with the Lord, you become like Jacob did in the Old Testament in his wrestling with the Lord. God touches him and knocks his hip out of joint. Many believe that for the rest of his life, he would have walked with a limp, but not encounter with the Lord. You look at Isaiah, we look at Isaiah chapter 6, and we think about that, uh, that, that spiritual time, that pro prophetic time where Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up in the holy of holies, and the angel comes, and he takes a tongue, and he grabs one of the coals off the altar, and he touches Isaiah's lip. What does fire on the lip do? If we were to, uh, this afternoon, Dad, you're going to have a barbecue, you take one of the uh, coals off the barbecue and you touch your child's lip, what's going to happen? It's going to burn. It's going to scar. It's going to leave something forever to remember that encounter, right? That's what happens in our encountering with the Lord when we pray and when we ask God to visit, God visits. And when God visits, he stirs things. He changes things. He transforms forms things. But change can be very difficult for us. Change can be very difficult for us. Change is difficult for me. Change was difficult for the first century church, and it's evident here in this passage. The other apostles and the brethren were upset with Peter. They didn't like that Peter had went and ate with Gentiles. Now, you and I may think, well, this isn't a really big deal, but we don't understand the culture and context of that day. This was a huge deal. For Peter to have gone and to ate with uncircumcised Gentile. Well, the apostles and the brethren, these were holy people, praying people, good people, and yet God hadn't spoken to them like God had spoken to Peter on this occasion. They were upset because things were changing, and not simply because things were changing, but because they were being asked to accept that God was working in a different way than they were accustomed to. The gospel brings movement, and that movement can bring uncomfortable change. In Acts 11.4, when Peter understood what was happening here, it says he began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in an orderly sequence. Peter could have said, well, this is what God is doing. You can get on board or not. 
But he didn't say that. He began speaking in an orderly sequence because gospel change requires explanation. And not just explanation, but an explanation that is orderly. When God begins moving, God will reveal to his prophetic witnesses what is going on, and there is a responsibility there to be able to share in an orderly sequence so that other people can get on board, and that's exactly what we see in this situation. Had God wanted to show up in a heavenly vision to all of the apostles and all of the brethren, he could have certainly done that, but he didn't do that. He explained to Peter what was going on and expected Peter to share with the rest. Peter cared enough about the apostles and the brethren to do his best to explain what God had done in Caesarea and how this impacted the movement of God beyond Jerusalem. And I think sometimes people jump off the ship because things are simply not explained in an orderly way about how God is working. So a few weeks ago, we announced a provision of, of property for the church, and we also shared the opportunity for a barn revival on July the 4th. As you came in or as you exit, you'll see the banner there in uh, the garage area uh, sharing about the barn revival. Remember, I've shared with you, I said, we have to be, uh, pay attention, according to the scripture, pay attention for what is coming to us in the natural, discern what's going on in the spiritual. How are these things working together? We have to think about that because I believe that these aren't just things. These are answers to prayer that we didn't even know to pray. We were simply praying for God's will, God's plan, God's purposes to be done. And God is now moving and it's going to require some of us to change the way we've been doing things, what we're accustomed to, how we understand things. And by differently, I don't simply mean the same thing in a new location. I mean a shift in how we approach our relationship to God, our engagement with his church. You and I have to be ready, prayerful, seeking, keep our, our, um, keep our eagerness to keep things the way they are on the back burner. I'm having to learn. I'm having to discern. I'm having to think through, God, what does your word speak to us? What does your word share with us? And I think about this message on change and being ready for change and being ready to move, and I think back how God is orchestrating all of these things. When our ministry team began preaching in Acts, our first message on Acts was July the 12th of 2020 almost a year ago. We had no idea where we would land on June the 20th, 2021, but here we are, a message on change, and change is coming. Here we are, a message on change, and we see change in the future. This passage in Acts chapter 11 speaks to us as a church, speaks to what is going on in the kingdom in the exact place where we are today. God's people praying, God's supernatural direction, physical provision for a change that is being made. And I'm trying to help all of us to see in an orderly sequence that there are some things that we have to come in order to accept. And that is the summation of our experience with Jesus cannot simply be a Sunday morning occurrence. I love Sunday mornings. I I love coming together and worshiping God with you. I love being in fellowship with you and lifting our hands in praise to the Lord. But the summation of who we are in Christ cannot be in just this few hours a week. 
We must be a believer on mission over and over and over again. We must be moved as the early church was moved from prayer in an upper room to the fire of the Holy Spirit declaring the wonderful works of God in a hostile community. The exciting thing about a new location, a new church plan, a barn, is that we're going to see God's great power on display. Another thing that I think is important for us as individuals to think about is just personally, I've not observed a season where there are more people going through deep and challenging situations than they are right now. So many people, even in this local fellowship, walking through deep, deep valleys. And if you're a believer, you've been coming here, maybe you've been praying for God to deliver you out of your valley, out of your challenge, out of your difficulty, out of what's going on in your life. You may be asking the Lord why you are where you are. I want to read to you from a, 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 a great book that I really enjoy and would highly recommend to you, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Joy Unspeakable. And then he talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He talks about the move of the Holy Spirit and the people who get to the depths of despair or the depths of bondage. And I just want to read to you a a short portion of it. It says, a man who has ever known this terrible spirit of heaviness or bondage is one who is more likely than anyone else to have the baptism of the Spirit. The people who have never known a spirit of heaviness and of bondage are scarcely ever able to testify of the baptism of the Spirit. Indeed, they are not interested because they think they've got everything. That is because of the superficiality of their whole position. But the deeper you go in conviction and repentance and agony of soul, the more likely you are to be lifted up to the heights. I could give you many, many illustrations of this. I have reminded you of how Whitefield and the Wesleys went through such an agony of repentance and conviction that it almost ruined their health. Then came the great and the blessed moment. So if you're at the depth this morning, what I want you to know is that in the depth of where you are right now, God sees you by the power of his spirit. And because you are at the depth, you have the hope of being lifted to the highest height. You see, that is how the Lord works in our life. See, when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear that this is for nothing. You don't have to fear, why am I going through this? You don't have to fear, God, what are you doing? What you know and what you must understand is that God is with you. When he walks you through the depths, he will lift you to the highest of heights. What I would encourage you this morning is to keep on persevering because change and movement is coming. But we have to be open to what God is doing. Change, movement, It's not simply about us. It is for the purpose of the kingdom. 
And it's only about us in as much as we are about Jesus because the gospel is focused on Jesus. When Peter finishes explaining to the apostles and the brethren what is going on, uh, he shares in verses 15 uh, to 16, he says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning, verse 16, and I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with with the Holy Spirit. In essence, he's saying, I recalled what Jesus said to me in that moment. I remembered what the Lord had said, and it finally clicked with me what God is doing. Change isn't just change for change's sake. Change, when the gospel concept of it, focuses us on the Lord Jesus Christ and his work. There's a whole system of belief that says the baptism of the Spirit that, uh, that we read about in the book of Acts, that this whole move of the Holy Spirit and otherwise assigned gifts, that they all ceased at the end of the first century. But I can tell you right now, you can search through the entirety of the New Testament and you won't find that anywhere. You're not going to find anywhere in the New Testament talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the signed gifts ceasing. You just won't find it. You're not going to find it anywhere. The closest place that you're going to come to that and what some theologians try to use is 1 Corinthians 13 when it talks about certain gifts ceasing when the perfect has come. Well, look around us. Has the perfect come? I mean, does anybody truly believe that the perfect has come? The perfect hasn't come. We're still waiting. We're still anticipating. We're still longing. So as long as the perfect hasn't come, we're praying for and longing after the baptism of the Spirit and the work of the Spirit in our own life. The perfect has not yet come. And until that time, God has given us the work of his Holy Spirit with all of its giftings to move forward the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I know for some of you, that might be a new thought. It might be a new thought. You might have thought, well, I, I committed my heart to the Lord. I've truly been saved. And you might have thought, well, okay, that's all I got to do in this life. And in salvation sense, yes, that's all you have to do. But in a sense of kingdom service, why were this group baptized in Acts chapter 2? What was the purpose? It was to thrust them out for gospel change to happen. We want to see a revival as in Acts chapter 2. We have to be willing to step into what happened in Acts chapter 2. If we want to see the glory of the Lord come down as it, we read about in the book of Acts, we long for this. Our sister prayed for it and we all said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Then we have to long for the things that happen in the book of Acts as well. Are you willing to accept that change? Because what happens... When Jesus, Jesus said, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, we have to understand that's God's plan. That's God's plan for you. That's God's plan for me. And the reason that we're asking this church to be on mission every day, we're particularly asking you to be on mission, why we're showing the Three Circles video, why we're asking you to sign up to help on July the 4th, to take a, what would normally be a day off, a day of fun, a day of lighting off fireworks, be in the fountain. We're asking you to step away from that for one time, step away from that for one time, and step into gospel service, and let's pray and seek the Lord. Let's pray for God's move upon people who will come, some of whom will not know the Lord. Let you think about who you are going to invite and bring to hear the gospel message. 
message. Maybe someone, as the message is preached, you can sit and you can start drawing the three circles and talk to them about where do you want to be in your life? We have to be on mission. And as we're on mission together one day, it will make us easier to be on mission Friday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Got that a little backwards. <laughs> well, you get where I'm going. This is a perfect time for us to be together in one place, working together on Mission, I'm not trying to pump you up to get you to an event. I'm telling you the Word of God tells us that we have to be willing to embrace change. And what I hope for Riverstone Church is that an opportunity on July the 4th brings a lot of unrepentant people into the same location so that Riverstone Church people can intermingle with these people and see some one and baptized in water and receive the power of the Holy Spirit in their life that they then can also be moved on gospel mission. But it's not just a few of us that can make this happen. We all have to be together. I've said this often. Look around the room. God put you in fellowship with these people for a reason. Don't leave us now. This is the opportunity that God is giving to us to work together for his glory. Because that's exactly what gospel change results in, God's glory. That's what we're longing for. That's what we're searching after. That's the beauty of heaven. The beauty of heaven really isn't that it's no more pain, no more sorrows, no more tears, All, although that is going to be wonderful and powerful in our life. The, the beauty of heaven is that we'll bask in the glory of God forever and forever and forever. We want as many people to experience that. We want as many people to go along with us to eternal glory. When those who had heard Peter's orderly explanation, they understood why he went and ate with the Gentiles. They saw that his uh, experience was in alignment with the words of Jesus. They accepted what was happening, and they glorified God. Verse 18, when they heard this, they heard what God was doing. They saw that it was in accordance with the words of Jesus. They quieted down and glorified God, saying then, well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Understand the cultural shift that is happening in this one moment for a people to say, okay, this is in accordance with the words of Jesus, then we can accept it and glorify God because of it. So we have to ask ourselves the question, is what we are doing right now, is that bringing glory to God in your private life? What you're doing in your private life, is that bringing glory to God? Is your work. Do you think about when you get up and go to work in the morning, when you punch the clock, when you uh, drive on the parking lot of your workplace or log on to your computer in order to go to work, do you think about how am I glorifying God in this act? God, help me to glorify you in my work in your family time. Are you glorifying the Lord? Does your life with Jesus bring glory to Jesus? Does your relationship with Jesus bring glory to him? What about your investment in the church, your investment in the kingdom? Is it bringing glory to God? Is what you're doing and what I'm doing bringing glory to God? 
And Peter's experience, the change in the church, the change at Cornelius' house, the change in Peter himself, it all brought glory to God. The entirety of the story is one beautiful symphony to the glory of God. And that is what we want our lives to be individually, our lives to be together, and our lives to be as part of the investment in the Lord's kingdom. As I said at the outset of this message, there are some things that are happening in the natural and the spiritual realm that tell us change through the church is coming. I'm not just speaking us as a local church. I'm speaking as the church universal. Change is coming. The winds are blowing. You have to see it. I want you to see it. I want you to understand that things are not going to continue to go on like they have always gone on. Be ready for it. Be anticipating uh, this change. Things are coming. We are in the vehicle. The engine is started. We have pulled the gear down to drive, and we are taking off, not just as a local church, but as a church universal. There is change coming to the church, and things that we have prayed for as a church universal, God is beginning to bring to pass. God is beginning to stir. I see it in people I haven't, I haven't really known, but people who I've talked to on the phone about what God is doing over there, or over there, or in other places. God is moving in a very global way. God is doing things, and this is why we see in the natural world the political uh, industrial system sort of ramping itself up against the church and in its anger and in its bitterness because God's beautiful, wonderful spirit is moving and blowing upon his church. And you and I are going to be the generation that gets to begin to observe what Jesus is going to do. And I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to that. And I don't want to sit back and say, well, I want it the way it's always been. What we will step into are some activities and some experiences that are very different. And what we need to do, does it align with God's word? Does it, does it align with God's word? And when it aligns with God's word, we give God glory for it. It may be different than what we wanted. It may be different than what we hoped for. But when we've been prayerful and it aligns with the word of God, we see it in the word of God, we together give glory to God. If you and I are willing to keep our focus on Jesus, we will stay unified and committed to the mission as change comes and it will result in the glory of God. So today I would say to you, if you find yourself, we prayed. You know, at the outset of this church, one of our prayer was, God, bring gro broken people. Bring broken people to Riverstone, Lord, because we've seen you at work, God. We've seen uh, your grace at work. We've seen you put together broken pieces. And, and we're praying that God would bring more broken people. I've said this before. I'm, I'm praying God will bring broken people because I'm a broken person. I've been broken. And I've seen the beauty of being in the church around God's people, the love and care of God's grace. That's what I want for others who have been ravaged by the world, torn apart by the world around them, to come to God's church. Physical, emotional, spiritual, mental pain. Where you are in your depth right now, remember that is a catalyst. That is a catalyst for you to pursue the Lord Seek him for the work of the Spirit in your life. That work of the Spirit is not simply for your benefit. There's a kingdom role for you to play for the glory of God. 
As a church, we must be committed to discerning and following the will and plan of the Holy Spirit. Yes, this barn event is an event. It's a point in time in history, but I believe for us, it is a spiritual event that is going to help us as a church to run with all of our might until the Lord returns or we go on to glory by death. That's what I pray. What would it be like? What would it be like if all, however many of us are in here, run with all of our might until our bodies give out, until the Lord returns? We run for Jesus. We run and long after Jesus with everything that is within us. We must be unified and focused on this because God is at work to glorify himself. Let's stand and pray together this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your presence here. We thank you so much for your presence here this morning. God, we are a people that must be on mission. God, help us to catch the understanding of what it means to be on mission. This afternoon, tomorrow, the next day, and the next day, God, I pray that each person in here, at the very least, you bring to their mind to pray and to intercede for souls that may come, for souls that need to hear the message of hope. Lord Jesus, I pray, Father, that some will take that very next step and begin to pray about inviting unsaved family members, unsaved friends, Lord, that there would be a message of hope that maybe at the the right moment they can sit and say, here is the world and it's brokenness and hearing God's grace and his love for you and Jesus has made a way for you. Where do you see yourself? Where do you want to be? If we're believers, if you're a believer this morning, you love Jesus, you've truly been saved. As sure as I'm standing here, what I believe the Lord is speaking to us is that we must be willing and ready to embrace gospel change. Not just change for change's sake, but gospel change, forward momentum, movement. Some of you are called to discern what is coming. Some in this congregation are called to be discerners of what is coming. Your role is to be patient and to explain in an orderly way what God is doing. To not leave people behind, but to as much as it rests within us to bring people along. Maybe you're here this morning and you think, I can't even think about kingdom stuff, church stuff, because all that is right in front of my eyes 
is the emotional, the mental, the physical pain that I'm feeling. There's kingdom hope there. The depth of despair where you are is simply to raise you to the highest of heights, to press you, to press into Christ like never before, to push you to cry out to God in ways that you haven't experienced before, that he may lift you up. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and in due season, he will lift you up. pray that right now maybe your mind is going to someone who you know who doesn't know the Lord. In fact, I pray, God, that you would bring to mind people who do not know the Lord, connections, Lord Jesus. Maybe friends, family members of people in this room. Maybe for you, that initial change is just being willing to open up a little about your faith in Christ. To be willing to be a little bold. To go on YouTube and see that three-minute video about how to share the gospel. I think I can do that. It might make me a little nervous at first, but I can, I can do that. Maybe your step is going to someone and sharing that message. We have to be about kingdom business. If we truly believe in the words of Scripture, if we're committed to the words of Scripture, then we must be committed to telling the story of Jesus Christ and His salvation and redemptive plan. If we truly are believers, then we must be committed to the gospel mission. Help us. Help us this morning, Lord, to be committed. We're praying. We need laborers. We need laborers in the harvest. Sister Autumn Nims has been praying, organizing, orchestrating people altar workers, people to lead in baptisms, people to pray, people to serve. Lord, send laborers into the harvest. We'll be in the middle of a field. The field is wide of the harvest. Help us to see the harvest. Pray for your part this morning. Pray for your part as we sing, as we lift our heart and worship to the Lord. What is your role? What is your part? We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Compel us. Compel us, O oh Lord Jesus. Amen. 
Thank you for being a part of Riverstone Church. I hope today's message encouraged you to take a step closer to Christ. If there is anything we can pray for or talk with you about, please visit our website at riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you this week and may you walk in all of his promises and plans for your life.